All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan Wednesday morning means it's time for Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. It's a pretty quiet, chill night last night. Get some sleep, <laughs> a little red wine. What? Like, how's it going, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> what well, is this fantasy land you're describing well, you? Like, well, what is well, this? I know. What planet do you live on? We're Where'd struggling to from? just, like, put words together, like, just to get a structure of... What the hell happened? I don't know. Bad first bad first game. Got behind early and uh, couldn't get a save. Uh, some undisciplined play. And I don't know. Everyone's looking for answers and excuses. And really, that was a nervous team that you saw yesterday. That was a team that was mm-hmm. unprepared to start the game. And next thing you knew, it was, uh, it was 3-0. And they started chasing it. Like, at times when the Maple Leafs looked like, loose and comfortable, it looked like a decent team mm-hmm. against Tampa. But this is a team that knows how to play playoff hockey. This is a team that's, you know, been there, done that. All the cliches apply. And they showed, like yesterday, Tampa showed the Toronto Maple Leafs how you play in the playoffs. It's a reminder. Every now and then, you must remind them. And yesterday, the Toronto Maple Leafs got reminded. Yeah, I mean, clearly Tampa's heart is still beating. Uh, you know, course speculation of their demise greatly exaggerated um uh-huh. but are they in the position where it's almost perfect for them like you're counting us out like this is the motivation we need like again we're we're, we're taking calls in the next block we're we're probably gonna hear some like the oh, media you, the media is the you know at fault be here fun. because be because it has been built <laughs> up but like you're so brave you have yeah. more guts than i ever you're gonna take I calls mean, after that we i think we need Woo. the perspective honestly because we're, we're trying to do the it's fan, the fan morning show Put the fan back in fan morning show there you go but like do you I think this it. sets up perfectly for tampa where you know they're looking for motivation right like there's the motivational elements like it's you can speculate you can put whatever you yeah. want onto it yourself but this team has been counted they, out and how much it would yeah. bother them cooper Stamco specifically to be counted out? So that's a really good question. And um, I, I think that there are a lot of players, and I'm sure they were not so gently reminded by John Cooper, that were pretty upset about the story uh, going back to the last time these two teams met, where the Toronto Maple Leafs had their way with them um, on the score sheet and also physically. You know, there was a lot of conversation. You can remember that game. Like, there's a lot of conversation about, oh, they've slayed the dragon, ready for the first round. You know, Luke Shen goes right at Patrick Maroon, doing whatever they want physically to them, even without Matthews and Marner in the lineup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can be sure that John Cooper has been relentless in reminding those Tampa Bay Lightning players what the story was um, coming out of that game. Um I don't want to say that this sets up perfectly for Tampa because there's a huge story there, and the uh, and that is the uh, the injuries, and we'll you know good luck getting information on them. But uh, the injuries to Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak, um, those are those are absolutely huge, and you can get by maybe one game in the playoffs without two without without those two players. Uh, but you can't run an entire series. I don't think anyone believes. I mean, that's going to be a whole lot of, well, first of all, a whole lot of Mikhail Sergachev out there, a whole lot of Nick Perbix, and a whole lot of Ian Cole. And I don't think anyone thinks that that sets up well for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But as far as stories and motivation goes, um, I think that those types of things tend to work better with newer teams uh, in the playoffs. I don't know that Tampa, you know, as much as they were upset 
said about you know the storyline coming out of the last time these two teams met. I, I this is a team of self starters. Like that's it. There's there's nothing like the the the, the coach can do to to rev you up for a, a game one. You know, I always <clears throat> I always find it odd the way you know people talk about oh the way a team starts that's a reflection of the coach. No, it's not. That's a reflection of how professional and how prepared those players are. Like it's their job to show up on time. To me, that's never been a reflection of the coach. That is that one is completely on the players. And yesterday, the Maple Leafs, you know, showed up not prepared to start a game. So how is that possible then? Like I get the nervous thing. We've been going through it. Like what, how how to explain what we saw? I mentioned, you know, complacency, being overwhelmed, being overcoached, inattention, nervousness seems like you know the one that makes the most sense. Apathy doesn't make sense, although is it possible? I'm not really sure. Nervousness makes the most sense. Lack of preparation because of nerves, I guess, does make sense. But how is that possible given the stakes and the circumstances? I think the one thing that – I I think you left that one word there, and that's arrogance too. I mean, everybody reading the press clippings of the Maple Leafs or Maple Leafs are storming through this thing. This is going to be, you know, finally the the end of the era for the Tampa Bay Lightning on the downturn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, was there part of that there? Perhaps. I, I think you really struggle when your goaltender lets you down and make no mistake about it. That was and you know, um, Samsonov said as much in a very colorful way. Um, mm-hmm. I played like bleep last night. Um, <laughs> I think when you start chasing it early and you have a goaltender that's struggling, I think that only compounds your anxiety, your nervousness. I mean, when was the last time you saw the Maple Leafs grip the sticks like that? Last like playoffs? Well, maybe, right? You're, you're, you're right, Ailish. Like, this was... This was the Maple Leafs that, that got down early and said, uh-oh, here we go again. I don't want this thing on my blade. Mm-hmm. I want to get this thing off my blade. Let someone else have the responsibility. And this Tampa team is a, like, it's a team of playoff killers. Like As much as we talk about how skilled they are, and they are, make no mistake about it, quietest 50 goals in the NHL, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, um, you know, with uh, you know, more elite-level uh, elite level play. Like That guy's going to the Hall of Fame. That guy sells one of the most lethal shots uh, and one of the, the sneakiest, best passers in the entire NHL. It's a, it's a murderer's row of elite-level playoff performers. And when you get down and you don't have confidence in your goaltender, I mean, you two know how that can that that can affect how you play. You can't cheat. You don't skate with confidence. You want the puck off your stick. No, no one seemed to want uh, the puck on their stick yesterday. Um, it was, it was one of those games that sometimes when you have a blowout loss in the playoffs, you can kind of say, ah, you know what, two to one or seven to three, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's still a loss. You know, move along, uh, uh, eyes towards the next game. But given the the weight of history that this team is carrying around, I really don't know that you can if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a this is a this is a tough one to stick in the rearview mirror. Yeah, and you might not have one of your players out there on the ice with you, Michael Bunting. Um, yep. After that hit yesterday, you expect a suspension possibly. I know he's going to meet today um, and chat with the Department of Player Safety. But uh, what do you think the outlook yeah. looks like for him? And if it isn't not good with the Maple Leafs in the roster, is it with him in the future as well? Because that could have been uh, that could have been something that just sours the relationship. Uh, it could, and he's on the expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that was a bad one. Like that was just a, that that was a, that looked just you know reckless and sloppy, and that was a expression of anger at you know the the one of the well. There's no never really good time uh, to do something like that in the playoffs. But yeah, I expect him to get suspended. I think we all expect him to get suspended, and then the conversation begins, and it already has about who do you bring in? And is that person Matthew Nice? Um, does he usher into duty or do you go to you default to, to more experience? But either way, there's going to have to be some changes. I would imagine that what we saw by the end of last night's game with Cali Yarncroke up on that top line with Matthews and Marner, what you're probably going to be looking at for game two. And then the question becomes, bunting's out, who comes in? Is it, uh, is it Wayne Simmons uh, or is it Matthew Nyes? I know the shiny new toy is always tempting, <laughs> uh, but you know coaches don't like throwing players over the boards uh, that they don't exactly know what they're going to do. Again, like I'm always reminded, the NHL is not a developmental league. This is not where you learn to play. Um, and he's only played a couple of games at the NHL level. So I would understand the, the hesitation. I know everyone's in love with uh, the kid comes out of nowhere and leads the team to glory story, but that's a tough one for coaches. That's really tough for Sheldon Keefe. Well, the irony there, right, is like Zach Aston Reese, you know, you pick Zach Aston Reese because he's not going to make the mistake and he makes the first mistake that ends up mm-hmm. in the back of the net. So there's, you know, I mean, to me, it looks like the free roll at the table to actually have Matthew Nyes in the lineup without making the decision, really. Like Bunting made the decision for you, but we shall yeah. see where the Leafs lean uh just in general with the officiating bit of a weird night right so michael bunting Mm -hmm. does get the benefit of doubt early uh and not that anything that he did with that five minute major is affected by because that happens in a silo it was a bad hit of course it's going to be called but you get the uh, one-handed cross check from luke shen it seemed like you know what 12 power play opportunities total in the game four power play goals from the tampa bay lightning I don't know if there's a different standard. We talked about it again last year, but I watched that Florida-Boston game, and it was just two teams playing really, really hard, playing at a different standard. And, you know, Charlie McAvoy took a penalty where he was a little uh, over-exuberant or overzealous off uh, or between whistles. But by and large, those teams were able to play. Like, what is it with Tampa and Toronto where it feels like there's just an officiating issue? Yeah, there were only really two calls that I had a problem with. You know, Luke Shen was one. Like, if that's a cross check, my aunt is my uncle. Um, <laughs> and the David Camp, uh, the David Camp penalty. Like, that's the, the, those those are the two that I look at and go, eh, I don't know, man. Like, e- even if it's even if it's regular season on a Tuesday night, I don't think I'm making those calls. Let alone game one of a, of a, of a Stanley Cup first round series. Um, I don't think that, like, to be honest with you, I I know that you know Maple Leafs were were sour and a lot of players were sour about the officiating, but. To me, that's not the story. The story was your start and how you got behind so quickly. And they got, you know, the only two, you know, they, they, they ended up getting two power play goals uh, themselves. Uh, to me, one of the stories in the playoffs every year is discipline. I think you have to understand that there's going to be some calls that don't go your way. That's just baked into the pie for the playoffs. Um, were there some soft calls? Uh, to me, the only, the only two that really stand out, the Shen one I thought was really bad. That was a really, really bad call and the David Camp slash. But other than that, I, I mean, I kind of looked at all of them and said, like, yeah, those are penalties. Like, they get called. Like, that's just the reality of, of hockey. And... Like we've seen some, like I know what you're, I know what you're getting at too, and I think the Boston Florida example is a really good one. I also think that Minnesota, Minnesota Dallas mm-hmm. is one that you know swings the opposite way because that one, I mean that one got out of hand. Like that was the opposite. That was okay. They put the whistles away and they let them play, and look what happened. 
And, I mean, that game was bonkers. <laughs> like, it was wonderful and it was fun. But, I mean, that was like a really violent, violent game. Um, and I wonder how much the NHL looked at that and said, oh, okay, like, we have to find some type of balance here um, between, you know, discipline and letting them play and let fans enjoy what playoff hockey looks like. But I don't I, – I don't th- like, on, the, on, the, on the laundry list – of things that the Maple Leafs can and should complain about, officiating was it should be pretty low on that list. Yeah, yeah after yeah. last night they just did they they just weren't ready mm-hmm. to play. Yeah, truth be told, I can only quibble with two as well. But I I kind of didn't love the Cernak one, and then you created I think the Shen one. And I guess if there's anything to be mad about, it's like oh you're inserting yourselves when you don't have to. I thought the camp one. I mean, it was a scoring chance. Like it's it's kind of, for that one. I'm not all that upset about either. Uh, and they're calling penalties, and that's just uh, the fact of the matter. And again, that's you you laid out what can happen. You can. Have have games like Dallas, Minnesota that get out of hand. The other part of the officiating thing is, mm-hmm. you know, there's something going around on Twitter where people are pointing to a conflict yep. of interest involving Sheldon Keefe and Wes McCauley. They do have a history in that Sheldon Keefe was fined $25,000 for berating Wes McCauley earlier on in the season, but it's not an on-ice thing. Uh, people are looking to an off-ice issue and an off-ice yep. potential conflict of issue. Can you lend any, like, can you shed any light on that issue in that conversation? Okay, so I cover this extensively, um, but what feels like a million years ago when when, uh, when Mike Danton um, paid uh, a guy by the name of Justin Levi Jones, who was a hitman in St. Louis, uh, to murder his agent, David Frost. Um, so there was, how much time do we have here? There was a, uh, a number of players from the Brampton area. Uh, Sheldon Keefe was one of them. Uh, Mike Danton was another. There were others like, you know, Daryl Tivron and, and a lot of other players from the area uh, that ended up playing for Quinty and then into the OHL uh, through St. Mike's and through the Barry Colts as well, um, who were controlled by... Uh, a gentleman by the name of David Frost, uh, who was their agent. Um, now, the story sort of culminates in Mike Danton trying to remove himself from that agent um, with the uh, the murder-for-hire scheme when St. Louis would have been playing in San Jose that night and Levi Jones was supposed to murder Frost when he showed up at, at Mike Danton's apartment. Um, and Mike Danton spent time in a federal penitentiary, I believe it was Fort Dix in New Jersey. Anyhow, um, Sheldon Keefe was originally part of that group, whether it was in Quinty, whether it was in the OHL with the, the Barry Colts, Sheldon Keefe was part of that group. Now, David Frost is married to someone by the name of Bridget McCauley, and that is Wes McCauley's sister, also the daughter of the former head of officiating of the NHL, the late, and I would insert great, John McCauley. Uh, who would have been rolling over in his grave uh, at that point and probably subsequent as well. I think the mistake that people are making here is uh, is trying to position one against the other in the story and trying to insinuate that there is somehow some type of positive relationship between Wes McCauley and David Frost. And from when I was covering this story, I can honestly tell you nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I know the family wasn't exactly thrilled uh, that Bridget had coupled with David Frost. Um, I can remember one specific conversation. This is when I was working with Bill Waters, former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who knew John McCauley very well and knew both Bridget and Wes. And um, Bill essentially, you know, 
not, I don't want to say pleading because that's that that's too strong, but just questioning and making sure that Bridget McCauley was okay because we all knew about David Frost and the vibe and what David Frost uh, had done. Um, and at that point was continuing to do. I mean, this guy would call up on our old Leafs Lunch radio show pretending to be someone else um, on, a, on a consistent basis. And there were the there were the threats that, you know, I would get it at all hours, and, and I'm sure Bill got as well. Um, the thing about this story is Sheldon Keefe officially cut off his relationship with David Frost in 2008 when he didn't invite David Frost to his marriage and that was it and to my knowledge there has been no contact ever since um, the story I get it because it's all under the umbrella of you know it's a conspiracy and the Leafs are out to try to the referees are out to try to get the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Macaulay and Frost are aligned and Sheldon Ke- it's it's not it, it, Sheldon Keefe has exactly zero relationship with David Frost has nothing I'm sure, but disdain, and probably, and most notably, I, th- I think a lot of regret for how he behaved as a as a young athlete through the OHL. And I don't think that uh, that Wes McCauley has has much time for David Frost either. So, to me, this one I saw it on the li- online last night. This one looks like a spectacular conspiracy theory that someone has uncovered. Uh, I can assure you, as someone that covered the story from the very beginning to when you know, and and then subsequently after Mike Danton ended up going to to prison at Fort Dix, um, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, no parties involved here want anything to do with the former agent David Frost. None, zero. Okay, yeah, I mean that's that's very important, uh, important and great insight. Clearly, uh, just like to, to just to make sure both them no ties now, of course, but that yeah. shouldn't be seen in any way as a conflict of interest. Zero. This is something the NHL has been aware of. They know the they know the Mike Danton story. You know, I can recall. I think it was. Uh, when Keith went to from Tampa to Arizona, I think maybe Don Maloney. I, I should probably check this. I shouldn't say that Maloney was that was the GM at that point, although he might have been. I, I think one of the one of the conditions was that um, that David Frost have nothing to do with with Keith anywhere near the rink. Like I don't even think they wanted him in the arena. This is not something that oh my goodness the NHL just stumbled upon this because some Twitter sleuth discovered that you know you know Sheldon Keith and, and David and 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 West McCau- and the Macaulay family mm-hmm. have a pass through David Frost. This is something like. Guys, this is this is a murder for hire story. <laughs> this is this is Mike Danton, you know, paying uh, Justin Levi Jones to 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 murder his uh, to murder his agent. The NHL has known about this for day from from day one, and there is zero conflict between Macaulay and Keefe. Zero. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to at least get to the bottom of it. Hear your perspective. I'm I'm hoping that people who are listening and can also take that perspective and. Uh learn from it as well because it is it certainly yeah, can get was, to, it can get blown up quite big i, I found that I, to, to be honest Ailish, i found the whole conversation around that last night on mm-hmm. twitter really distasteful mm-hmm. I, I i really did like it's the one thing to think it's one thing to think okay you know there's uh there's a bias somehow or i don't know west macaulay didn't like you know the blast that he got from sheldon keith like uh oh okay i, I west macaulay is a, is a professional right here mm-hmm. sheldon keith is a professional as well i just think that you know dragging that old story, which is a very complicated one as well, and trying just to distill it into a couple of tweets to try to present some type of bias through a really, like the the things that happened at that hotel in, in Quinty were really disturbing. Trying to distill it through that, I found, you know, 
I don't know, just profoundly gross, to be honest with you. I really did. I found it really distasteful. Well, appreciate your time and your effort on it, Jeff. Um, Thanks for helping us break down last night's game. Hopefully next Wednesday. A little bit more positively stuff to chat about, all right? <laughs> well, how much worse can they get, Amish? That's what I said. And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's the spin is it's only upwards from here, right? <laughs> all right. Thanks, You're Jeff. So positive. It's great. Yeah, right. I try. Thanks, guys. I'll chat with Be you good. later. <laughs> Jeff Merrick hosts the Jeff Merrick Show and hosts the 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Well, just quickly on that because that was heavy. I think, you know, when you're seeing that stuff last night, you're like, okay, does, if Wes McCauley has a relationship with this person, eh, maybe maybe there's something there, right? Oh, sorry, Jeff, you know, sorry, I still got you on there? I, I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, look out the window quickly. Is the sun coming up? I can't see. I'm just uh, no, it's, doing this No, it never comes up after a loose loss. <laughs> oh, okay. Just checking. That's all. Got to go. It's Love coming you. up. Bye. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jeff Merrick, host of the 32 Thoughts podcast and the Jeff Merrick Show. Just, yeah, it was saying, like, when that's all happening, it was like, okay, did they see each other at Christmas? Because that's an issue if they see each other at Christmas, right? But if both are estranged, which they are, which Jeff says, like, I, I think that's some important context that needed to be shared. Yeah, appreciate that he's also covered this from the start. Mm-hmm. Very did important. just Google it. All right. Um, okay. We didn't get to any sound in the first I just hour. want to also just remind people that they should be getting ready to call. Give them the numbers, yeah, you know. We're going to have your calls after our break, after we do something to chew on, and after we play a couple of pieces of audio. So get your phones out, get ready, get in the queue. I'll chat with you today. It's 416-870-0591-888-666-0590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We'll have lots to unpack. We've been talking for an hour and a half now. Maybe we've helped give you some perspective. Maybe there's still some big unanswered questions. Yeah, you're not alone on that one. We'll go through all that at 730. We'll get you your calls on our Maple Leafs hotline this morning. Uh, we want to hear from you. It's the fan morning show. So let's hear from the fans. Okay, so a couple things. I mean, it wasn't the most uh, monumental post-game press conference, I don't think, by any means. Uh, There was something interesting, though, from John Tavares, who was talking about, like, the need for discipline and maybe being critical of the officiating, just a tad, alluding to the fact that, you know, if it's a 50-50, you know, been there, done that, gets the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was interesting. So here's Tavares on, you know, the, the officiating and the need to be disciplined. You know, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of momentum swings in playoff hockey, and um, obviously we have to be more disciplined in our game and obviously staying out of the box, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's, you know, you know, some calls or most calls are, you know, those, those ones that are borderline, more likely than not probably going to go their way. They're, they've been in the finals three times in a row, mm. and, and we have to be just extremely disciplined in staying out of the box and playing hard and understanding the line we can't cross and, um, you know, earning our power plays and obviously, you know, being disciplined and structured throughout our game, um, you know, which has obviously been a, a solid part of our team all year. Yeah, I'm not sure what the intention was there fully. Was he kind of conflating thoughts in that, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning know how to deal with these situations or was it, hey, why do they get all the calls? I'm not sure exactly what he was getting to. And he was like kind of merging thoughts a little bit there. But, you know, there there were eight power plays for the Lightning. They went four for eight. They were gifted one by Sheldon Keefe um, who decided to challenge that. And I guess, you know, the most interesting thing, he did stand up for Michael Bunting, but I think him explaining the decision to challenge was something also worth hearing, hearing. If we have it. You got to tell Josh. Justin would like to hear the clip about the challenge. On the Corey Perry goal. By Sheldon Keefe. 
let us know if you got it, fellas. I felt that the goal itself that we were challenging in itself was perhaps the backbreaker and the game breaker. That would be real hard to come back from that point. Uh, we did look at it as, as a high percentage challenge for sure, but I did. there is one angle that you can tell clearly from the back that, that Sammy's foot is, is definitely impacted um, by some sticks coming in around his, around his pad there. You can see his, his foot definitely is, it gets jarred. So we see something there, and to me at that point, even if we think it's a 5-10% chance that it might be, some of those are so hard, to, so hard to call. It's one of the hardest ones we've had to call all season. But I just thought, given what's, where the game was at, if there's any chance we could get that goal back, maybe have a chance to come back in the game. But that one there, you know, now you got to get six uh, to come back in the game. So to me, didn't look at it like we had a lot to lose in that situation. It's just, it's like high percentage challenge. Then he says five to 10% chance. Uh, that's kind of strange. And I don't really see how that math plays out. But <laughs> the fact that he said, if there's any chance we had to take it, I kind of agree with that. Just given where that game was going at the time. If they did have any inkling or any replay that thought like, yeah, this might get called back, I guess go for it there. But yeah, that was when they made that decision. And even if if they thought it was 10%, honestly, you probably shouldn't have made that decision. Uh, But if they did think there was a chance, I guess it's a, a little bit excusable. All right. We'll keep unpacking last night's loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning game one. A forgettable one. Um, But let's get something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. This is a good news story. We all need one this morning. Damar Hamlin has been cleared to return to football through NFL and specialists that have been taking care of him since his collapse back and Monday Night Football in Cincinnati. Less than four months later, 25-year-old Damar Hamlin has announced that he's received full medical clearance to continue making an NFL comeback. Obviously, incredible news. This was a scary, scary moment for not only the sporting world, but anybody that has just any level of concern of young, healthy people getting hurt and getting sick. And he has made a recovery that we're going to be covering. And it is just obviously a really special moment that we all got to kind of band together and be a part of this. Um, We have Damar Hamlin's uh, himself, his announcement that he's going to make a NFL comeback. I'm not specifically saying if he's going to play, but he's, he's feeling good and he's been cleared. So let's play that clip. I've been on a journey and I've seen, you know, some of the top professionals across the country and their answers to me were pretty much all the same. They were the same. And this event was life-changing, but it's not the end of my story. So I'm here to announce that I plan on making a comeback to the NFL. My heart is still in it, you know. My heart is still in the game. Uh, I love the game. Um, It's something I want to prove to myself, not nobody else, you know. Uh, It's just I just want to show people that that fear is a choice, um, that – you know, you can keep going in something without having the answers and without knowing what's at the end of the tunnel. Or, you know, you might you might feel anxious. You might feel any type of way, you know, but you just keep putting that right foot in front of the left one and you keep going. I want to stand for that. I mean, he puts it pretty beautifully. Bigger things in sports, better, bigger things in wins and losses. His health and his journey back to football uh, can be an inspiration to all. I think it's a really great perspective to hear, especially on a morning like this. I never thought we'd have that. Never thought we'd see that announcement. Like pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised, right? Like we're just thinking about a life rather than a career. Um, mm-hmm. But when it's that sort of discussion, 
uh, sometimes like maybe you just stop thinking about the career a little bit and just the man. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, I hope to see it. It'll be an unbelievable story. All right. We're going to take a break because we have your calls on the other side. We'll take them in the queue at 416-870-0590 or 1-888-666-0590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. Let's chat. Game one of the Maple Leafs versus the Tampa Bay Lightning has concluded. Let's talk about how you're feeling this morning. Um, We'll do this routinely throughout the series. Um, Hopefully we get some more happier calls down the road, but let's break down game one, Maple Leafs loss um, on the other side of the break. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin and Ailish. Day after what Justin puts maybe in his Mount Rushmore of playoff defeats moments in Maple Leafs lore. Modern Maple Leafs lore. Well, yeah. How many heads can you have on Mount Rushmore? Well, four. <laughs> four is generally what you're looking so for. You, modern. You're still getting close. A little family out there on the rock cliff. I guess that's really the issue is that you need to make more room. <laughs> you need more room. Well, maybe we have some positive listeners, some some nice vibes this morning. We decided, hey, you know what? Didn't confront the bosses, just said, we're opening the phone lines tomorrow, all right? We'll deal with the consequences. So we believe that we get to chat with our fans. We'll make this maybe a cathartic moment for us all. The Maple Leafs therapy hotline possibly this morning. We're going to take your calls routinely throughout the series. We'll start it here with a reaction to game one. As we said, the number is 416-870-0590 or one 590 or just star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We've got a lot of listeners tuned in here, so we'll try to get through as many as possible. Thanks for your patience. We'll start it off with Jerry in Port Sydney. A beautiful little Muskoka-esque morning for you. Are you feeling the happy vibes up there this morning, Jerry? Well, it's a beautiful day, but uh, the TV screen wasn't too happy last night, though. No. What was the biggest point of frustration for you when you look back now at 12 hours later, Jerry? Before the game even started to speak, Justin Hall, not only in the lineup, but starting the game, he's been a playoff green fart specialist since he's been a league. Kelton Keith decided to start him, and sure enough, a simple play, let his band walk out from behind the net, Never laid a finger on him. One goal. The team under huge pressure. That's the worst scenario you could possibly. And it was created by the coach. Alex Kerfoot, as well, is a line killer wherever he goes. And he just seems to get played over and over. So the lineup before the game started made me angry. Yeah, it's hard to argue with you on starting Justin Hall. I mean, like, if you're going to, if he's playing in the game, you should be comfortable putting him out there at any time. But, like, getting off on the front foot, getting that first shift, like, it was, like, why wasn't it Matthews? Just, like, just get it going. Like, I I, I don't know. I guess it was Ryan O'Reilly. You got the John Tavares pop. Alex Kerfoot's interesting because, like, he was a rock star shorthanded to start the series last year. Didn't play much shorthanded yesterday with eight power plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I mean, I guess he's slipped in the ranking there, but... Alex Kerfoot and Justin Hall, 
Yeah, I agree. Hard for them to have any hard to have anything really positive to say about those two last night. Well, big lineup decisions to be made in the next twenty four hours. We'll see where Sheldon Keefe goes next. But we're gonna have Vince von Brampton join us now. You got some positive vibes I'm hearing. Uh yeah. I would rather have the ugly game be the very first game than have it be that it knocks us out in the sixth game. For as bad as they I mean, the Leafs played bad last night. There's no doubt about it. The officiating definitely wasn't the best but i'd rather have the first game done and over with realistically i don't think anybody expected this to go uh uh six or are are expecting this to go six or seven games uh no matter if it's the third game we lose by a goal as toronto fans we are going to dissect the game no matter what so all all i can say is that okay the game's over it was bad it's bad egg in the face. If, if that doesn't give something some oomphah to the players, I mean, uh, or, or the coach and see what everything happened, uh, obviously they're going to hear the media. Uh, well, let's see what happens. But, uh, I mean, I got faith. They got this far. Uh, I guess we'll see uh, within the next uh, six games. All right, Vince, I couldn't agree more, buddy. I was trying to find that positive spin. I'm glad I got someone on on my team. Just, it's a long series. We can certainly react the way we want this morning, but when it comes to getting back on the ice today for your your skate and then tomorrow morning for your pregame skate, it's got to be in the past. You got to flush it. Um, I hope that's possible. Thanks, Vince. That was Vince from Brampton. Uh, we're moving to Daryl in, in Wasega Beach. That's a second day of Wasega Beach Callers. Big, uh, big fan morning show population up there. Daryl, how's it going this morning? Daryl, do we have you? Daryl, maybe not. Daryl. <laughs> oh, Daryl, how's it Darryl. going, buddy? How's go. it going, Daryl? I'm good. Yeah, I, I think a lot of blame's got to be put on the coach. Like, this team is never ready to play weaker teams. Um, we saw in the game last week against Tampa, Bunting take a, a fake baseball swing at Corey Perry when he got ticked off at him. It's just uh, another cadre situation waiting to happen. Uh, he's obviously got something against William Nylander, um, taking him off the first power play and constantly putting him on third line and so forth. And the guy they need to move off that power play who screws it up is uh, Morgan Riley, mm. as far as I'm concerned. I'm just so fed up with the whole juggling of the lines and always trying to accommodate Mitch Marner and Tavares and Matthews. There's Nylander can score just as well as any of them. Yeah. And he proved it last night. I mean, William Nylander, give him credit. Uh, that was definitely the moment of the game uh, in terms of positivity for Leaf fans. He came out at the end or the tail end, the final or the second of two minutes on that power play. And it was just a goal created strictly through William Nylander and getting demoted. And listen, the power play tactics worked. Because William Nylander scored a goal, you went two for four, and you got a Ryan O'Reilly goal, and he's the one that replaced uh, William Nylander. But I think it is fair, completely fair, to criticize Sheldon Keefe. But, like, I just don't know how to criticize him on the preparation and the start and the how you deal with nervousness as a team. Like, I'm not sure how you can blame him for how the team performed in the first 10 minutes of that game and beyond. I mean, uh, Jeff said it best, too. It's like, it's kind of on the players to be the ones that, get out there and play 
hard. Like, we don't need more excuses. 10. We don't need more excuses for these guys. Like okay. Sheldon Keefe, I'm sure he had a game plan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was prepared for this game. It's just the the Leafs and the players weren't. Keep your calls coming at 416-870-0590 or one 590 or star 590 on your Rogers cell phone. We've got Gary in Brampton. Who was at the game last night? How's it going, Gary? Hey, good morning, guys. How's it? Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, a couple hours removed from being there at Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, I was there last night with my buddy, and uh, I could tell you one of the things, um, even after the two Tampa goals, my buddy looked over at me, and he goes, he goes, Tampa doesn't really look like they're skating well, and he goes, and they're up 2-0, 2 nothing, right? And I looked over at him, and I said, I'm telling you, Steve, I, I, the ta- playoff Tampa is, is a real thing. I think they have the ability to turn it on and off. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how they finish in the last 20 games. I know a lot's been said about that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, the start, the previous caller was talking about not being prepared. The start was, uh, from, from my vantage point, uh, it was horrendous for the Leafs. Uh, and, and, and you give a team, uh, it doesn't matter who they are, but a team like Tampa, you, you, on the road, you give them that. And, and, and like my buddy says, he goes, I don't even think Tampa's like at, at operating at 60%. Mm. And and they're up and and you just give them life. It just it, it it sucked the air out of the building. I could tell you that right after the first period, you could tell it, it, it everyone's heads heads are down. And and but I I, I think Tampa, I, uh, Vasilevsky, uh, Kucherov. I mean, they're just so well coached, right? And I think playoff Tampa is a real thing. The ability to turn it on and off is is what scares me. Gary, did you leave the game early? Be honest with us. Yes, yes, we left at the 10-minute mark in the third period. That's all right. I understand. I got to beat the the traffic. You're from Brampton. You know, get out of the city. It's understandable, but hopefully you didn't have to shell out too much for those tickets. Thanks for calling in, Gary. Yep. Lots of folks here in the in the call log here, Justin. Any thoughts on Gary? No, let's roll through. I mean, uh, good for him beating the traffic. I certainly appreciated getting out of there swiftly. All right, it's Ian and Allison calling in this morning. Ian, how are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm just peachy. How are you guys? <laughs> Listen, Killing I'm going to rant a bit, and this is what I do after the Leafs show me this again. Okay, this is the same team that was up 3-1 against Montreal in the bubble and choked, came back the next year's season opener and lost to the Habs. Statement game, didn't do anything. Okay, another statement game last night, and what did they do? Fell flat. Okay, this team is all skill, no kill. And it's the definition of insanity. Same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I'm done. Bye-bye, Dubis. Bye-bye, Shanny. Shanny hand plan didn't work. I'm done, man. This team is cursed. I don't know what to do. I'm 48, and I'll, I'll, I expect to die and never see a cup here. I don't know what to say. So, Ian, why? What else could it be? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, uh, what, There's no explanation other than a curse, right? Like, why? I, why? Why did this not work? Why isn't it working? Where's... Where's the character, man? This was a statement game. We lost to Tampa in Game 7. We choked. And you know what else I noticed last that last series last year? We circled their net. They drove our net, and that was the difference. Nick, uh, Nick Paul ran over Soupy. I don't know how many times that game, and he scored two goals. Our third and fourth line do not compare to Tampa's, and that's how you win in the playoffs. No character, and we don't got a Vasilevsky. We don't even have a half of Vasilevsky, man. I'm sorry, but... Dubis choked on getting a goaltender for us. I'm done. 
Yeah, the things we thought we knew. And thanks, Ian from Allison. That's a great Keep call. Keep that guy's number. The things we thought we knew, right? Like, we, we thought we were, we were so confident, Samson. We don't have to worry about that. Now we're worrying big time about that. Well, the fourth line from Tampa Bay, yeah, they were historically great two years ago, but they were garbage all season long. And guess what? Well, yeah, they, they were the running circles around the Maple Leafs' depth last night. I mean, the, the things we thought we knew, right? And, and it all seems to come back. And uh, it, it really, really tormented fans and the team last night. That was a spicy call. Maybe we, he he seems like he would get along well with JD Bunkus. Those two co-hosts the podcast together, Ian and JD. Um, all right, Josh in Toronto is joining us now. He's got a positive though. I like a little positive, Josh. How's it going? Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, we're good. We're good. Thanks for calling in. Big fan of the show. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I heard you guys talking earlier about you know who on the Leafs really impressed you, and you were saying that you know it was pretty much Ryan O'Reilly and then no one else. But I wanted to throw. Uh, Achari's name into the mix there. I thought he played a really good game and it's pretty physical. Winning a lot of battles, didn't cross the line. Um, and I thought uh, I was really, really, really impressed with his, uh, with his approach. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't, uh, wasn't a great game. Wasn't super thrilled with how that uh, went out. But yeah, it just kind of came out super flat. Um, but I actually had a question for, um, for you guys. Having never really played high-performance competitive hockey myself, I'm wondering, in your opinion, how much of... Um, uh, Sheldon's response today moving forward is, you know, pure X's and O's fundamentals of, of, you know, hockey strategy and how much of it is, you know, really digging into the, like the psychological aspect. Like, what are you afraid of doing the, the, the whole like quicksand kind of meeting, like in that uh, Keanu Reeves movie, the replacements. Yeah. I, I appreciate the call. And, and for the question, um, Justin's pointing at me to answer this one because I played one Obby. level higher of hockey. One level did. higher. You're None, a professional hockey I think it's really important that, it's almost like you don't even need to to do the X's and O's. That this team is good enough to win the next four games. But it's it's between the years. And that's what we talked about yesterday. I don't know what it is. There's no different game plan you need to draw up. You don't need to change your face off structure. It is just playing with some passion, with some heart, with some grit. Like you can't show that on a whiteboard with a Sharpie. That is looking each other in the eye in this dressing room, the guy beside you in this stall and that stall, and the coach is leading it and the management is leading it saying it's just not good enough. It's mm-hmm. it's inexcusable. I, I would say, like, the last thing you want would be more information. More tweaks and changes. But I would like, say, ugh. like, let's say, let's say Nikita Kucherov did something on the power play that they thought was, like, killer, right? Okay. Like, it's something, sure. like, you, maybe show an example of, hey, this killed us. We need to be, a, a, like, mindful. Again, though, that pre-scout should have happened already. I, if I'm looking at it, if I'm a player, what I want right now is, honestly, someone to get in my face mm-hmm. and, like, get this going. But Sheldon Keefe... Like, at this point, he's got to be searching for answers himself because you don't think he's tried that? Like, you don't think he's tried yelling and screaming? Kicking he tried over at the beginning yeah. of the year, and he had to go back on it, remember? Exactly. He like, got in I, trouble. I feel like he would just be like, I don't, I don't know what Man, to do. you got to call people out what, after that. What is the motivational element here? I think you might be leaning on a player. I think you might be leaning specifically on Ryan O'Reilly. You might be leaning on someone inside the dressing room to do that for you yeah. because it's I feel like he thinks, like, throwing up his hands, like, what more can I do? I mean, this is kind of your feels like the last chance to get in there and ruffle some feathers. So you got, you got to find a way to motivate your team to come back from an embarrassing loss like that. Um, all right, Daryl Whippy's joining us. Daryl, how are you feeling this morning? Um, it's, it's the same thing every year. I mean, you, you go to last year to Game Seven, you get beat by Tampa, and they come out flat like again last night. Like it goes back to you hate to say it, Mike Babcock's old saying: mm-hmm. starting on time. That was not a start on time. This team is playing with no purpose, playing with no passion, no heart. Austin Matthews looked like he couldn't care less if he was playing 
hockey last night or sitting at home playing a video game. He is. He just has no drive. The whole team. I think I still swear to God, Harold Ballard. Every time they go up the ice, is pulling them back the other way. They're cursed. I appreciate the call. I mean, uh, I think starting on time certainly a major facet of that. But even finishing a period on time, like think about the two devastating goals in the last dying seconds. We're talking about that, like you when's the into, last time you saw that? It was actually outrageous. Two goals under five, you go into the seconds. break with this level of oh my god, are we kidding? We they scored with zero point zero one seconds left. You go into the dressing room with this feeling of defeat then you go back on the ice and you're playing from behind again it's just like you can't lose the first or the last minute of a period they did both was that daryl i i, I think daryl's right to underscore austin matthews but i think mitch marner should be lumped in too like leon dry in the playoffs watch him watch the level watch how mm-hmm. not how different it is because he's brilliant all the time but it's different these guys need to find something different something new within them because it is different in the playoffs. You have to be more than what you were. And more often than not, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner fail to be. Yep. And like, we're not even like talking about John Tavares in this discussion. He makes $11 million. You got to be impactful. You got to have some sort of uh, impact on the game. Either on or off the ice in the locker room. Pete in North Oshawa. North Oshawa. He does not want to be confused with being in South Oshawa. Pete, how are you doing? No, my wife likes to say we are in Columbus, not Oshawa, but <laughs> it is, it's still part of the schwa. Um, first of all, it's a game. Second of all, like one game. Second of all, they, the reason they went out and got the guys they did with a winning pedigree in the playoffs is to do the talking in the dressing room when stuff like this happens. So I don't think it's on Sheldon Keith to do a thing. Mm. It's going to be the guys internally that are going to do it. Third, what do you expect a team that has not managed to win a playoff series for so long going into a game against a team that for the last three years has been in the room with the Stanley Cup, right? They, they had little tweaks and things, but they are still the team that has won the Cup twice and then the finals once. So they know what they're doing. They don't get flustered first game, game on the road, whatever. They don't care. It's up to the Leafs to put this one aside and just play their game. Because I picked the team, believe it or not, I picked this in five with a loss in the first game. So we'll see how they respond. Well, you got one down. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I mean, Tampa served a reminder, right? Tampa, in every way, served a reminder. And and thanks for the call, Pete. Uh, Like, they're not going anywhere. And they know they have situational know-how that the Maple Leafs could only dream of having, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you nailed it. It's on the Leafs. It's on the Leafs to change the narrative, to break the cycle, because as long as things continue the way they are, until someone puts their foot in the ground and changes something, history will repeat itself. And history is more likely to repeat itself against a team that has its own history of winning and an nearly unbreakable winning culture. It's on the Leafs. It's on the players. And it's just one game, as he mentioned, Pete in North Oshawa, but he can rally off four in a row and keep my Leafs in five bet, then I'm happy as well, Pete. I uh, appreciate everyone for calling in. I know we didn't get to a couple people that were on the line, Alex, Allen, and Jay. You were waiting patiently. We'll try to get to you next time. Appreciate it. We had lots of callers in today. Lots of people wanted to chat about Maple Leafs and that uh, devastating loss in game one, but it is game one, and we'll be back tomorrow to tee up. Game two, Um, appreciate you guys calling in. We're going to do this throughout the series. So uh, if you didn't get in today, get in on Thursday. No mention of tarot cards today.
We muted those guys from calling <laughs> I, in. I, I, I thought we might get, because there were a lot of people in the mentions last night talking about the tarot I will reading. say, if this goes the way the tarot cards had predicted, that'll be Amazon top seller of the season. Yeah. We'll be buying tarot cards to f- figure out how their tax return is going to go. Forget, you know, stressing about the future, just... Know the future. Tarot card. Just pull a card. I'm telling you, it could be something there. Um, quickly, before we take a break and talk to Nick Caprios, we've been giving away tickets all week long. Let's bring some positive vibes to wrap up this hour. Blue Rodeo's coming to Bud Stage on August 26th with special guest Wild Rivers and Rose Cousins. We're giving away tickets all week long. To enter, just listen to the Fan Morning Show this week. Text in the code word to 59590. Today's code word is Dark Angel. Oof. Text Dark Angel to 59590 right now for your chance to win. We're giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. But if you don't win with us, make sure you secure your tickets by going to Ticketmaster.ca starting this Friday at 10 a.m. Dark Angel 59590. I don't know if that's some sort of like. Even the code words are yeah, a little dark. I was going to say the code words are kind of like spooky, <laughs> cursed this morning. Dark Angel, that's Bud Stage, Blue Rodeo, August 26th. Best of luck. Send that text in at 59590 and you get another chance tomorrow. Tickets on sale on Friday. Thanks for everyone for calling in and being a part of the Maple Leaf hotline this morning. We'll keep that rolling throughout the rest of the series. Hopefully we get more opportunities to chat with you all. Uh, we've got Nick Kiprios joining us on the other side of the break. We'll see his, his thoughts on all of this fun Wednesday morning. <laughs> 